0: This is Down to Freight, the podcast for enterprise supply chain, logistics, transportation, and warehousing professionals. We capture stories from industry experts who share their lessons learned and business outcomes from their technology investments. If you want to make the most out of your technology initiatives, tune in to uncover what it takes to evaluate and deploy IT projects with minimal hiccups to reduce your total cost of ownership. Down to Freight is hosted by Vector.
1: Welcome to the Down to Freight Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Hidanza. And with me today, our speaker is Nicole Engelman, Director of Planning and Logistics at ASML. She brings over 20 years of experience in materials management, production planning, master scheduling, inventory control, strategic supplier management, warehouse management, as well as customer logistics and configuration management in her role. Nicole, it's so glad to have you here today.
2: Oh, thank you. It's uh, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome. So, for those that aren't as familiar with ASML, could you tell a little bit more about what your company does, your role, and how it pertains to supply chain?
2: Yeah, sure. ASML, it, we're often called the the most important company you don't know about. A lot of times that has to do um, because we we are essentially kind of the first phase in the semiconductor industry. So. It's so a real talked-about industry right now, with the chip shortage uh, being as it is, and, and of course, that's what's driving technology. But ASML produces uh, tools, software, and and services those tools to mass produce patterns on chips. So, uh, you know, kind of in layman's terms, we're we're enabling microchips to have data enriched with them. And so, our customers are the chip makers, and they are demanding. <laughs> and so, it's a very fast-paced industry. It's constantly changing, but it's literally our products that are enabling all of the end-user products and and the chips that you see out there today to be done. And so it's a really exciting uh, company to be a part of. We've got about thirty thousand employees globally. We're in a sixteen countries with about sixty different locations. Whether they're service locations, we have seven clean room factories here in the U.S. in, in Europe and in Asia. I think last year we we I think we're waiting for the for the financials right now. But uh, two thousand twenty, we're fourteen billion but our growth is projected to, to get to, you know, almost doubling in, by 2025 and, and we're on track to do that. But the, the main thing within, within ASML progress Moore's Law and Moore's Law is a, a theory by Gordon Moore who was a co-founder of Intel. And he basically just started seeing a pattern of um, the number of, of transistors that go on an IC doubled almost year over year, and so our job is to create tools that enable that, uh, and and the basis of that is to is to be able to get a thinner and thinner wavelength light source and and a, a scanner that can you know, that can enrich data like that, and so think about it like pencil lead. If you can get a thinner pencil lead, it will write a thinner line on a piece of paper. And of course that allows you to put more lines on a piece of paper and it's a similar theory. So when you look at like the chips that were created years ago, back in the beginning, back in the eight eighties and in those giant cell phones and the big Apple computers, those were done with uh, 365 nanometer uh, light sources. And in our latest technology or the chips that you see, for instance, in the new um, Samsung and, and iPhones are, are seven and five nanometers. Um, so the, the, it's impressive to see how far it's come and how, how little we are. To give kind of your, your listeners in general, uh, an idea a nanometer is a billionth of a meter. And so uh, cigarette smoke, for example, is 1500 nanometers. A strand of DNA is two and a half nanometers. So essentially we're, we're writing uh, data and on a chip almost just doubling what, what the strand, strand of DNA would be. Um, so it's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I kind of wonder when is Moore's law going to break. I mean, that's some yeah. level, how much well, smaller can you get?
2: We'll see, right? The, <laughs> I guess that's uh, that. That's definitely a problem that we'd like to have. Um, so that that that's that's what we're doing year over year since the since late '80s is when ASML started. Um, they they were they are the scanner manufacturer working with a light source manufacturer called Simer. In 2012, um, ASML purchased CIMR essentially for the EV or extreme ultraviolet technology. And that was to progress Moore's Law further. So, between the, the late 80s and, you know, I would say early 2000s, over those 20 years, we got, you know, 172 nanometer thickness removal. So, we went from, you know, 365 nanometers to 193. But just in six years with the newer technology and how you do that, we were able to reduce 180 nanometers and get to, you know, 13 nanometers back in 2010. And that that was just in six years. So this new newer way of doing technology um, is, is, of course, a, a lot, is, is stretching the boundaries of where we take technology. And to work in a company that does that and see the impact, of course, on the world where you see products become uh, smaller and smaller or they are doing more and more things, that's, that's really exciting uh, that you can see the direct impact
1: there. It sounds like it. And I mean, especially just the importance of, of what you're doing. There's a lot going on right now in the news about the supply chain issues. And I think there's like a huge shortage, especially around semiconductors and the chips needed for all of the products that you mentioned. Care to share anything about what you're doing to manage that so that everyone can get their iPhones and, and Ford can get their trucks out the door? Yeah, um,
2: exactly. We we are definitely part of that solution, uh, and that's just with our chipmakers being able to get more of our systems and tools in there to create more wafers or chips per hour. That has to do with the number of tools that they have from us, but it also has to do with the power that our and and how many uh, chips per hour, wafers per hour that our product can can produce. Um, and all of these new product lines that we have right now are trying to drive that and improve that to, to help with that situation. Um, my, my group in particularly, like you mentioned at the beginning, I'm, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades because I've been at this company for 21 years, um, spending half my life here now, uh, you know, literally growing up here, being able to see the influence of the technology, but also, uh, myself being able to influence how we do that and how we get it out. has been, has been uh, a phenomenal experience. Uh, the so the way that we run our supply chain and is able to get out a uh, new product and and reduce that time to market so that we can get uh, tools to our to our customers faster um, is is through what, what we call a, a phased supplier management process um, and it, it really cr- forces you to get your suppliers involved early in the stage of development so where you're just starting to kind of talk about with engineers, what do we think this product is going to need? What are the specifications from our customers? When we start to do an early selection with suppliers and start to engage our suppliers early, um, it allows them to be part of that solution early. Because a lot of times I think what you see in technology or even in R&D companies is you have a bunch of engineers trying to develop a solution and then that's handed off to a supplier. And the supplier is then trying to conform to that solution. And it could mean that there's technical specifications or even processes, or even the types of materials that are called out that could take longer to get, or the tolerancing that's there is not feasible or possible to do quickly, um, or there's a lot of cost in order to hit that tolerancing that if you can just loosen it a little bit, you can significantly reduce the cost. And so a lot of times with technology companies, you see them release this technology, the supplier goes and does it, and then it takes a really long time to get, and it's really expensive. And so if we can involve the supplier earlier, you start, to, you start to immediately uh, not have to go back into a re-engineering process just to drive down cost. But it also allows them to influence some things in the design that will help get things quicker, It will help them be able to manufacture better. And while they're part of the design, we can start to release requirements that they can go act on before the design is even finished. And so what I mean by that is, is think about like if you were building a house, If you know, at least the, the, you know, you know, you're going to need wood for the framing. So let's just go buy the wood. And and that has a certain lead time, especially now these days, has a certain lead time with it. We're going to go buy the wood. We're going to go buy piping for, for, even though you don't know what you're, what you're twisting it to and where it's going, we're going to go get those things that we know we need already. And as we start to develop more of what the house looks like or where the windows need to go then we can start to have the suppliers again, act more on that. And what it does is it allows us to cut a lot of that long lead material um, um, cycle time out of it so that we can actually you know, have these things on order and even things that you're machining, for example, they can go buy you know, plates of, of, of aluminum and cut things to a basic size and get things going and start tooling and start programming machining. And as we get the design more detailed, then they can, uh, they can fill in those blanks and it will allow us to uh, to to reduce the overall cycle time of the parts. And that's the I think that's what makes us really successful in trying to get trying to get this done quickly.
1: It sounds like you have a, a pretty nimble and agile process in place that that allow you to to react to some of the the changes quickly is. Do you have different tools or technology that you use to support that process? Or how, how do you manage the logistics of all of those moving parts that like you described between like the forecasting, the supplier management, the inventory control, the, there's a lot there. Uh, how, how do you go about managing all of that?
2: Yeah, we, we, uh, we obviously use an ERP system So and within ASML. And, uh, and so, so we either use SAP or Oracle, depending on which factory you're, you're talking to. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so we try to leverage that as much as possible. You know, a lot of, a lot of technology companies or people that are trying to do this, everything ends up getting managed on Excel at the end of the day. Well, in some ways you do that, but we, what we try to do is have our configuration management system. Uh, nimble enough to to do that, where we can release a part number even if you don't have a drawing. At least we can start to build the structure of what that bill of material will look like. And as we start to get drawings, we can fill those in and release those out to our suppliers through supplier portals, which allow them to get the documentation a lot faster and and see the structure of a bill of material, not just on a you know, on a drawing or a piece of paper or a CAD file. So that's that's definitely part of it, um, and we can do that in a phased process too. And how we, how we set that up then allows us to build the maturity of that bill of materials. And as we build the maturity, that's how we're releasing then orders through the ERP system to our suppliers. So I could release an order, for example, for a Toyota Corolla, even though they don't know what's going to go into it yet, they're going to get an order. They'll have a general budget that they can buy to. And as we start to develop all of the things that are going to go into that, uh, you know, detailed uh, build, then that, that's when we can uh, update the purchase orders and update the, the lead times and the, and the costs that's associated to that. And we're doing it all, all along and building it up as it goes.
0: From Vector, we bring you Down to Freight, the podcast for supply chain, logistics, transportation, and warehousing professionals. Tune in to listen to industry experts as we explore the lessons they learned, business outcomes, and technology initiatives. Just search for Down to Freight on your favorite podcast channels.
1: Thank you. So when I sit there and I listen to a lot of these earnings calls or read the 10K reports of a lot of enterprises of your size, uh, the word that comes up time and time again is supply chain resiliency. And it seems like there's a lot of initiatives around digital transformation to improve that. And it sounds like what you've done with your team at ASML is you've really have a very lean process. I think like as more and more organizations um, strive to achieve what you've done, what are some words of advice or best practices that you would want to give to folks that um, are thinking about uh, implementing this phase supplier management process Mm -hmm. How would they go about getting started or, or implementing something like this?
2: Yeah, so I think one of the key things is, is finding suppliers that are willing to deal with the ambiguity, right? Because that in and of itself is going to create a certain amount of churn at your supplier. They have to have teams that are set up to know, hey, I'm not going to give you the whole recipe. We're giving it to you one ingredient at a time. And, and, and they have to be set up to be able to also accept the work that way. That means their, their programmer might be touching a program more than once, right? Their, um, their supply chain team might be having to adjust their schedule more than once or, or coming back to us on a, on a cost update or a lead time update based on the, new, the latest requirements or what we've done and, and what we've released to them. So the, the, that while it's very lean, it also takes a lot of back and forth management and communication to do that. And I think uh, the the most important piece in setting that up with a supplier is is making sure that they're operationally sound to handle that. In technology company, we're often locked into suppliers because of their technical capability. And often with a very high technical capability company, they don't focus on operations as much as they do on engineering. And so you tend to not get uh, a lot of the agility from either their own suppliers uh, management or their own manufacturing yield and quality systems. And so you need to already go in and do those audits almost as you're doing your supplier selection to inform them, hey, this is what's going to hit you. Here's what, here's you know how we recommend that you deal with it or how you structure your teams or how can we get this communication with you. And you really do form a partnership. Um, with your supplier to do that we have suppliers that let us come in with our own teams and sit there for months side by side with their teams to help um, build up the operational capability if they if they lack that initially because at the end of the day we release a design quickly if they can't follow through and build it it doesn't matter so that's all equally important
1: to us definitely well but similar to like um Moore's Law, that doesn't seem like it's ever going to break. It sounds like you're in that operational um, of continuous improvement. Uh, It it doesn't sound like your job's ever really done. So what's next for you um, with this project or any other initiatives that you uh, plan to tackle in the next 18 to 36 months?
2: I think what you, your audience will recognize when you're in supply chain or logistics, your job is never done, right? You either have <laughs> not enough of something or too much of something or, uh, or you need to make it cheaper or quicker. That's the beauty of this business. That's why you can never get bored. You know, I tell people or when I go lecture at some of the universities, it's this is an awesome job because it never gets old. You, know, it, you're, you're, you can be an expert or a subject matter expert in expertise, but the ways that you're doing things, you constantly need to be creative and thinking outside of the box. And you constantly are dealing with new projects or products that are going to challenge you to do that. And so that's the beauty of it. ASML is no different. We are constantly trying to cannibalize ourselves. And again, please our chip makers and, and, and you guys as end users in the end of what these products can do. And so it's, it, you know, we still have our work cut out for us in terms of getting, uh, progressing Moore's law and getting new products out that can, uh, then get, that can get the wafer per hour count up, that can make that reliable. And, and of course that can get the wavelength of the, of the light source down uh, enough to, to keep making really cool things. When you look at even just what's out there today, the, the chips that are being produced today and a lot of the electronics and, and things you see, you know your refrigerator now has a, a TV screen on it that can tell you recipes and keep track of your grocery list. It's crazy, right? When it's a, at least for somebody like me who was born before Google, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to think of like how far we've really come in the last 20, 25 years. Um, and this is just going to continue. The, the, the end user products that, that, are, that companies are trying to now make with these chips, they're in their R&D um, you know, horizon at this point. They're, they're trying to figure out what to do with this technology and, and how far they can stretch it. And it's just really exciting to see what the outcome of that will be. And we're just going to keep going and keep making that possible. We've got several programs on the horizon. We always do have, uh, have programs in the pot going. With the revenue that we make, we're, we're constantly reinvesting about 15 to 20% of our, of our revenues back directly into R&D. And, um, and that's what enables all of this. It's not just figuring out what new technology we can have, but also that technology that's been out there for 30 years. How do we make sure that we can keep that going, keep that supply chain, you know, sustainable? Um, There are, there's a lot of, when you look at that kind of stuff, the product that we've had out in the field now for 30 years, how do we make sure we can still provide spare parts to that? And and there's a lot of scarcity in general in the supply chain because COVID has enabled that, but also because there's things that just are, you know, companies going out of business or companies that are, I would say dying out just because their ownership is like, we're not making that anymore. We're, we're going to end of life this product now and not do it anymore. Uh, and you have to figure out then your, your strategies and how you're going to deal with that. Are you going to re-engineer that? Or are you going to go buy 20 years worth of stock? Uh, you know, Are you going to do both of those things? Those, those, are all, um, those are all still challenges that we have to figure out in parallel to launching all of this new product as well. So yeah, we've got our work cut out for us. We won't be bored.
1: <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Nicole. So you mentioned that you have plans to double your growth in the next few years. How do you actually plan to accomplish that?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a big challenge, right? So not only how do we figure it out in the supply chain, but in order to figure it out, we need the people to do that. So uh, I, I suspect that our, the, we've already significantly, uh, had a huge hiring growth over the last three years and people are in learning curves there. We've had to formalize our onboarding programs and how do you get people up to speed really quick, but it's also about recruiting and finding the right people for the roles, getting a really diverse workforce and it helps us remain creative. It helps us remain being able to think about things in a different way. Um, and, and that's really what we're pushing right now. We have a lot of jobs. You can go on our website. We have a lot of jobs worldwide, uh, open. If you want to work at the headquarters in the Netherlands, if you want to work here in San Diego or in the Bay area at HMI or in Wilton, Connecticut, right next to New York, there's all these opportunities and what's great about a global company and kind of what you can see from my experience is you, what's great about ASML is you don't have to jump. To another company to get more experience or to be able to try a different role. We have people that start in the company and I, for instance, my, my HR business partner started in procurement in her career and, and, and of course is now in HR. So uh, it's a very different swing, but, you know, alternatively, you can start in operations and, and roll into engineering. And um, so I love that about us because I see so many resumes, especially with young people that are trying to grow their career and you just see this constant job hop. And that's one of the great benefits of ASML is there. we do so many different things and we're, and we're very much so global um, that you can get a lot of experience or get what you want out of your career without having to change companies. Um, and so we're looking for the best and brightest right now and uh, we'll continue to do that, but it's gonna be the people and hiring those people, getting them on board and getting those solutions in place that we need them to drive and enable that success.
1: Well, they must be doing something right if they are able to keep someone of your caliber there for 20 years. So it <laughs> seems like it's a, it's a great company.
2: It is. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about it. It's, uh, uh, of course, it's all I know, but I, I, I hire a lot of people and so I can see what they've had to deal with. I really like the fact that it, it is so diverse. Um, you know, We have people in the team um, that are later in their career and more mature. We have people that are right out of college. We have people uh, all in between of all nationalities. Um, so it's, it's really the company that embraces that kind of cultural diversity and, and overall diversity. We have a lot of um, different affinity groups that we set up. So we have groups that are for, you know, driving cultural diversity and shades. Um, our LGBT group at Proud at ASML does that. We have a women's group that helps uh, with women. And women in STEM in general is an issue, right? And uh, I think it was a few years ago, even in our own company, we only had 13% of our population was women. And now you start to see that really change and really grow and it, it's exciting to do that. And, but programs like that, affinity groups like that also help attract attract that and, and retain uh, what we can do. And so uh, it's, it's cool that not only can you, can you do these cool things with technology and have jobs like that, but you can also then on the side, get involved with some of these affinity groups, get involved in a competency center and do these kind of things that will also help your career enrichment, whether you stay at ASML or go to, a, go to another company it's something that you can take with you and build into your war chest to help your career overall.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was awesome. I truly enjoyed learning about this um, phase supplier management process that, that you've implemented. Um, thank you so much for, for your time today and, and, and sharing this um, on the episode.
0: Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: That was Down to Freight. Bringing you the stories and lessons from supply chain, logistics, transportation, and warehousing professionals. Listen to the other episodes in Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Down to Freight is sponsored by Vector, the leader in electronic bill of lading and logistics workflow solutions.